0: Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is mine, the steel curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you once again. It's Thursday morning. This is our routine. I am here. I'm ready to talk some numbers, and we are less than a week away from the 2022 NFL League Year kicking off next Wednesday, March 16th, 4 p.m. Eastern. Teams have to be under the salary cap. Full uh, players can officially sign as free agents with other teams, although they will already have had two days and four hours to So I guess 52 hours. Um, what is defined as the legal tampering period, which I think is funny that legal, legal tampering, it's kind of an oxymoron, but still uh, the, that uh, players can do that. I'm hoping that when we're here next week, that we'll say, Hey, there's a new member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it, it would be nice. It's just been a while. Um, I'm ready for this to get kicked off and going. I don't know that the Steelers are going to make a huge splash right away, but they could. So that's exciting. Uh, there's a lot of things they need to do, but before we get rolling into that, I just want to say, uh, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're checking out all the behind the steel curtain, uh, family of podcasts. We've got the morning lineup, uh, with the, the let's ride in the live mic. Let's ride your Monday, Wednesday, Friday show. Um, We also have at least one morning show on the weekend. We're working on exactly which day that's going to be with everything. Uh, We're we're still trying to find our way um, in in this off season, but uh, we have that. We've got our noon lineup uh, that, that we have there, our YouTube slash Facebook live shows that then go out on the audio later that night or very early the next morning. So if we have those seven days a week at lots of shows, lots of opportunities that if you just need your Pittsburgh Steelers fix, we've got it. Hopefully there's something for everybody. Um, I understand if, if this is your show, I got to tell you, if Stat Geek is a show that just kind of fits you, you've just... You've got to make sure you're also checking out um, Jeffrey Benedict's uh, from the cutting room floor. He's really gotten into some good stats the last few weeks. I'm sitting there listening to it, and I'm like, man, uh, this very well could have been a, a stat geek show. So if this is your thing and you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you do because uh, it's it's been some really good stuff there from Jeffrey. I just wanted to specifically send my Nerds of Steel in that direction because uh Jeffrey's been coming through with some good nerds of steel stuff. So that's that's why I wanted to, to say that. Also, make sure you check it out behind the steelcurtain.com. It is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. There hasn't been much in the in the in bre- the breaking news department with the Steelers for a while, which tells me stuff's coming. We should very soon know uh where the Steelers would get a compensatory draft pick in this year's draft, uh, based on the loss of Bud Dupree. Last year, uh let's see, we should start to get some signings of the Steelers' own players. I would hope that that would happen sooner. Uh but we don't have anything there. Then of course, next week just the signing of anybody. So make sure we get those articles out as fast as we can. They are behind the steel curtain. Check check back there or or often throughout the day because we have articles coming up all day. I mean there there's we I think they well, the podcast article I know starts at like five thirty a m Eastern. and there's stuff at least every ninety minutes as you go throughout the day uh, into the early afternoon. So if you just check it one time in the morning, you are missing out on a lot of stuff, unless you're checking it out the next day. But uh, also, Keep a lookout on the podcast platform. If, if the Steelers make a big signing, we'll likely have a breaking news podcast as soon as we can get that uh up and running on the platforms. So make sure you're you're staying tuned. Hey, and also you can follow behind the Steel Curtain on Twitter at BTSteel Curtain. That's another place to, to be able to get all these things. Gonna dive into some questions. But before I do, I've got to define some things because I have a lot of questions. I have a lot. We're gonna try to answer three today. But I've had a, I have had a lot. They're, they're stacking up for me, and that's great. I would love to have things to answer. Some of them are tough. And I'm going to do one in the second half that, that when it was asked, they, it's interesting because someone actually sent this to, to, to Jeff Hartman, who then made sure that he tagged me. Uh, that's one that I'm going to be be looking at because it, it's covering the same subject a little bit of what we were covering in the first half. And that is we're going to talk about uh, so, some quarterback things, a very interesting question I have there. But I also want people to understand I like to keep things as objective as possible. That's the whole point of stats and stat geek, um, versus being subjective. And yes, there, there is subjectiveness in sports. Some people believe that if it's subjective, it's not really a sport. I've actually had a number of people make that case to me in the past. I'm not going to go that far, but for example, when, when you're looking at, let's say the winter Olympics that just finished up last month, there are certain things in, in the Olympics that are subjective versus objective. Subjective means it's based on someone's opinion. Objective means that it's not based on opinions, based on facts, and in my case, numbers. For example, I watched all the US curling. That's what I did. That is very objective. You're either closer than the other person or you're not. And they come out with the little, with the thing that they put in and spin around if it's really, really close to measure who's closest with the stones. And that's how you get your scores. Then you have things like, I could say figure skating, but I'm afraid I'll, I'll get called out for, for, for picking that example. We'll go with snowboarding. Okay, when they've when they're you're going on the half pipe and they're jumping and you're doing the flips and everything there, and you're being judged on your on the degree of difficulty and, and, and how well you're landing your jumps. That's subjective. That's more subjective. And when it comes to these stats questions, sometimes it's really difficult to answer without having to dive into the subjective. Because to me, that's things like your PFF scores in football. Those are subjectives. Those are based on a quote unquote expert. That's up to you if you consider them experts or not. Opinion about how a player did each and every play that gets compiled into one big overall grade. Now, I like to use PFF with things I don't have other things for because it's something numerical, but it still is subjective. Then you have objective things. Um, for example uh touchdowns interceptions now you could say oh was that was that interception really on the fault of the quarterback when he hit the receiver square in the hands and he misses it and it bounces off his face mask and goes straight up in the air and and the other team catches it yeah you could you understand that there's still reasoning behind those numbers but they are still objective numbers that goes down as an interception on the quarterback for the other team all those good things so there's sometimes that the only way that I can answer some questions is to look at look at subjective things. And when I get a lot of offensive line questions, that's where I have to go. There's not really good what, I think I just said the words backwards. I'm sorry. I'm using subjective and objective so often. So so much I'm I'm I'd be switching them up. So if I did that one time back there, sorry. I wish you could go back and edit it, but I'm not going to That's what that we're going to, we're going to keep our conversation going. So something objective is tough to have with offensive linemen because they don't have statistics. I mean, the only statistics I can give you for an offensive lineman other than snaps played is penalties. That's something objective. Everything else is basically based on your opinion. Now you can say, oh, well, what about rushing yards? Well, what about yards per carry? Absolutely. The offensive line is part of that. And that's why sometimes with running backs, I try to take them a little bit to realize, hey, they might have this many yards per carry, but is that on them or is that on the line? So sometimes you have to look at those kind of things, but it's really hard to have objective numbers when it comes to the line. But We're going to talk about some stuff with quarterbacks and the line in the second half. I want to dive in to this question because it's very appropriate because of all the news going on in the NFL this week. My goodness, the quarterbacks stuff has gone crazy. Um, You've got Aaron Rodgers going back, his reported deal. We'll see if that's really what it was. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Then you've got the big trade for Russell Wilson with the Broncos giving up two firsts, two seconds, swapping a fourth and a fifth and giving up three players. So, I mean, that's kind of a little bit insane. That, the, that that was the price and everything. So that's going to kind of come into what we're going to talk about here here real quick. And this one comes from Daily Joint Company, which is at Daily Joint Co. on Twitter. That's where this question came from. And he says, I don't know, actually he says IDK, but I don't know if there would be a way to to do it with Mason Rudolph's relatively small sample size, but I would love to see a numbers breakdown of how Jimmy G compares to Mason. Only since people apparently want Jimmy G, who is basically like a slightly better, way more expensive Mason Rudolph, in my opinion. Hashtag nerds of steel. So I'm going to try to dive into this and I'm going to use a couple things that are more that are more subjective, but I'm going to try to stick with the numbers. Okay. Let's run through Mason Rudolph's numbers real quick. He's I'm I'm counting him as play as being uh three years in the league. Yes. I know technically it would be four because it, where he was drafted, but he did not. Sorry about that. With my phone going off, Jeff Hartman's trying to tell me a bunch of stuff to do right now. Um, that, that, uh, I'm okay. I'm, 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 I'm back. Sorry, Jeff, quit distracting me. That what, what's happened with Mason Rudolph is he did not even dress his rookie year. So according to like years of service, things like that, that doesn't count as a year played. So I'm still going to say three years for Mason Rudolph. Um, and his numbers are this: uh, He started 10 games, he has a record of five, four and one. he has a completion percentage of 61.5 percent. He has a touchdown to interception ratio of 1.45. That means he's you want that number to be above one. Because if it's if it's a decimal below one, that means you're throwing more interceptions to touchdowns. So it's at 1.45. His touchdown percentage, which is you take the number of touchdowns thrown from you know compared to the number of passes, is 4.2 with an interception percentage of 2.9. He's also been credited with two fourth quarter comebacks and one game winning drive in in his 10 starts. So that's 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 not bad. But let's look at Jimmy G now. He he's been playing 8 seasons. Now remember the first well I almost was going to say two but I'm pretty sure it's 3. I can't believe I didn't write down the split. But yeah, the split is the first 3 were in New England. He didn't even get a start in his first 2 years, but he appeared in 11 games in his first 2 years. So I can't just throw that out. But some of these numbers I'm going to do I'm going to look at just just the 49ers because all he ever he started two games in New England and he won them both. So he was two and zero there. But overall in his career, regular season, because I'll talk about postseason in a little bit, his overall record in his forty-seven starts is thirty-three and fourteen. So he does have that solid record compared to Mason Rudolph his completion percentage is 67.7. So that's 6.1 higher than Mason Rudolph. His touchdown to interception ratio is 1.87. So that's point. higher than Mason Rudolph. His touchdown percentage rate is 5.0%. That's 0.8 higher. His interception percentage is 2.7. So that's 0.02 lower. And he's credited with 10 fourth quarter comebacks and 10 game winning drives. Where if you look at it statistically, that's not that much greater then Rudolph, based on the number of games started, um, of what you would what, what you would expect there, you know, of ten versus forty-seven. So I mean, it, it, it's still better, but it's not like oh my goodness, it's five times. No, because he started almost five times as many games. Um, so that that's where that comes from. Also, I wanted to look at the postseason with Jimmy G because that's where it, it really comes down to. Um, he's he's been to the postseason in two years where he's started games. He has a record of four and two, so he's won more games than he's lost. Uh, that's actually a really good postseason record. But his completion percentage is sixty point six. That's down from his. That's lower than Mason Rudolph's uh, regular season one. His touchdown to interception ratio is zero point six seven. He's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns in the postseason he has a touchdown percentage of 3 which is significantly lower and an interception percentage of 4.5 which is significantly higher he has no fourth quarter comebacks but one game winning drive in the post season so the record is good just the numbers aren't as good but you're playing you know obviously you're playing a playoff team when you're in the playoffs you know not every regular season matchup is against a playoff team so so there's that so that's kind of the comparison um are the numbers for Jimmy G better? Yeah. You have to say that they are. You have to say that they are. He's, 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 he's got a higher touchdown percentage being on his passes. He's got a higher, you know, not much higher, a higher touchdown to interception ratio right when you compare regular season. But the other thing that you have to take into account here is the one thing that I love is, is you got to take, take into account the car. You know, you've got to drive the car, and the car—that's C C-A-R, A R—cost above replacement. How much would a replacement cost? Are you obviously, if you're going to pay more for a replacement, you want to get more production. If you're going to be paying less for a replacement, you are you getting a better? How was your drop off in production compared to your drop off in cost? That's what the Steelers had to address last year when it came to Stephen Nelson and Cam Sutton. Uh, Cam Sutton was significantly less expensive for them to have at corner. And they felt that the cost that they saved with him was much greater than than the, than the what they got in a drop-off on the field. They didn't think it was much of a drop-off, but the cost was much better. Doesn't mean that they felt that Cam Sutton was better than Stephen Nelson, but he was better... For the money, you know, that, that kind of thing. The problem with Jimmy G is he's under contract for one more year. He would have to be traded. That right there is the the biggest red flag for me. I don't want the Steelers to trade for a quarterback. I mean, unless you're talking day three picks. I don't want the Steelers to have to give up rounds one, two, or three. I think they need that to help build their team. Not that they're necessarily going to be calling on those players this year. I know at least the first round pick they generally do. But you need you need to be replenishing things. I, and the Steelers really covet those, especially, especially rounds one and two, more than anything. I don't want the Steelers giving up any kind of big, big picks uh, for a quarterback. But the other problem is... Jimmy G's cap hit. If he, the Steelers just traded and just flat up took him on, you're talking $25.55 million. That would be the cap. hit. so the question is, are those numbers that I gave for Jimmy G are they, are they five times better than Mason Rudolph because he costs five times more. Okay. Now it, the, the the thing is if you're talking about the difference of not making the postseason versus making the postseason and going, you know, even to or win the Super Bowl, then then it's five times better. But you, you would have to think about that. But when you look at that, is it really that is it really that multiple? Are you gonna pay that much more? for that much increase in production. That's what it comes down to. Because there, there's also another issue. Since he's gone to San Francisco, the San Francisco 49ers have played 81 regular season games since J- Jimmy G went to their team. He started 45 of them. That's 55.6%. He's only had one season where he started every game. And that was in 2019. And they were they had a fantastic year, went 13-3. and three. You know, uh, only started 15 of the 17 this past year. 2020, you only started six. 2018, you only started three. You know, these are, th- th- this is something you also have to worry about. Is he also going to be available? So I'm going to come with one last number for you, but like I kind of explained before, this is more the subjective number. Let's look at their PFF scores. Okay. Why not? Just because they're there. If you don't like PFF, it's okay, but just listen. Jimmy G, 2001. Had, his, had had a better PFF score than the year before, it was 75.2. That was his score for the season overall. Mason Rudolph's score overall for the season, 73.9. So you have to ask yourself, is that 1.3 higher score, according to PFF, worth an additional $20 million above Mason Rudolph? According to them, they would probably say, no way, Jose. But but the thing is Rudolph his PFF score last year it was better in 2020 when it was a 75.4. But you could say oh he didn't start many games or anything that's true. When he started the most games he had a 53.3. Um, so that's something to remember. But you also got to remember that the Jimmy G score last year was a 67.5. And his first his first year in New England he was in he was a 53 as well. His first year in the NFL um, getting any kind of of game what. Well, didn't start any, but still um, getting any kind of action. So Mason Rudolph's score in 2020 was better than both Jimmy Jimmy G's 2020 and 2021. Now in 2019, Jimmy G was a 77.9. But just throwing those numbers out there, that's just looking at those kind of things to say, you know, are, are these the numbers that really, really... Do they make that big of a difference? Do they make that that big of a difference? And what we're going to do here real quick, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. We come back to finish up this question. I'm going to throw some numbers out there of a couple other quarterbacks to let you see, oh, well, was there that big of a difference? So hold on. We'll be back in just a minute. When my phone Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to Steelers Stat Geek. We are rolling through some numbers here. We just did a big comparison between Mason Rudolph and Jimmy G with some of the stats to see if he would be worth the money for the Steelers to upgrade that position. Would it be enough of an upgrade for the money? To me, numerically, the answer is no, but you might feel differently. Just just to give you an idea, I was going to throw out some other numbers. Like Aaron Rodgers just got a huge deal. A huge deal. Huge deal that apparently averages $50 million a year. I don't, that's, doesn't look like that'll be his cap number this year, but that means it's going to be a bigger cap number in the future. But we'll see when that actually gets officially reported. But uh, he is going back to Green Bay. But just to look at his numbers, his numbers are he's 139, 66 and one in his career. Um, He has a 65.3 completion percentage. That's a little bit lower than Jimmy G, but higher than Mason Rudolph. His touchdown to interception ratio is 4.83. For every interception Aaron Rodgers throws, he throws 4.83 touchdowns. You know, compare that to 187 of Jimmy G. Then you've got the touchdown percentage is 6.3. The interception percentage is 1.3. He has 18 fourth quarter comebacks and 27 game-winning drives. So my question is, if you look at the difference between Mason Rudolph, Jimmy G, and Aaron Rodgers, who is Jimmy G closer to? Is he closer to Mason Rudolph or is he closer to Aaron Rodgers? To me, he's much closer to Mason Rudolph. So I just did that for comparison's sake, so you could say, "Oh, do those numbers really make a big difference?" Here's another one. This was this was something that was very subjective. Someone in our staff channel—I'm not going to say who because I try have to try to remember that—when um, once Aaron Rodgers signed his deal, they said, "Oh, well, what about trading for Jordan Love?" And someone said, "Oh, he's he's so much more talented than Mason Rudolph." That's a subjective statement. That is completely based on opinion. If you want to look at it objectively, yeah, it's nowhere close. Mason blows him out of the water. But that's only because Jordan Love's only started one game. He's 0-1. He has a 58.1 completion percentage. He's got a .67 touchdown-to-interception ratio, only a 3.2 touchdown percentage, a 4.8 interception percentage, and, of course, no fourth-quarter comebacks or game-winning drives. He just hasn't had the chance. So in his very, very, very limited action – Much more limited than Mason Rudolph. The numbers don't back that up at all. Now, does it mean if he would get more of a chance that he could do better? Sure. But you could also say the same thing with Mason Rudolph. I don't know. Um, I went ahead and threw in Mitch Trubisky here, okay, because uh, he's 29 and 21 in his four years, 64.1 completion percentage. That's, you know, that's a little bit lower than even Aaron Rodgers, but more than Mason Rudolph. 1.68 touchdown to interception ratio. That's between Jimmy G and Mason Rudolph. A 4.1 touchdown percentage, that's just under Mason Rudolph. A 2.3 interception percentage, that's better than Mason Rudolph and better than Jimmy G. So he doesn't do as many touchdowns, but he didn't have as many interceptions. Five fourth quarter comebacks, seven game winning drives. Okay, and so there's his numbers. What's the cost for him? If he's half the cost of Jimmy G, then that's someone that you could even consider um, more of an upgrade, but I don't know if the Steelers will be in the market there or not. I just thought those numbers were interesting uh, to throw out there because you also got to remember there's someone when it comes to, to to Jimmy G or other quarterbacks. This is a conversation I had with my brother after the Scobro show on Tuesday, um, where where I said, you know, there's there's some people out there the the mindset that the Steelers need their quarterback now. They need it now. It has to be this year because you the longer you wait, the more you're wasting stuff. You're wasting years of T.J. Watt. Okay, and my question is, are you or are you going to waste even more? If this is not the year for the Steelers, if the free agent market, the trade market, and the draft are all terrible for quarterbacks, I'm not saying they are. But if they are, and the Steelers force the quarterback issue, look at where they're going to be. If the, Let's say the Steelers draft a quarterback, or they go sign a quarterback, or they tr- or even trade for a quarterback. Mason Rudolph's getting one year with the Steelers. He's already had enough. He's, if it's Mason Rudolph this year, this is it. He's either got to come out and play great and know that that's who they want, or that's going to be it for him. End of story. You bring in any other quarterback, I'm shocked if it's not, if it's less than two years. It's probably three. If they're drafted, it's definitely three, in my opinion. So you're like, oh, you've got to have that quarterback now, or else you could waste a year of T.J. Watt. Do you want to force a quarterback situation which you're not ready for and waste three years instead? That's the question you have to ask yourself. So make sure that is something you're asking. Speaking of quarterbacks and tying it into the offensive line, um, I, this was another question. This was one I know some people are like, I asked a question two weeks ago. You haven't answered it. Sometimes i group them together based on subject. This one came actually quite recently uh, from J.T. Potter. That's on Twitter. That's at Potts. That's P-O-T-Z uh, 52474. He says, people think it's always about having an elite quarterback. I would like for the stat geek to show the numbers for QBs when they have elite O line, say top ten versus top twenty, just for giggles. Well, if we're talking O line, the only the only way I can do this is PFF. That's it. That's all. That's my options. So I did this in two different ways. First of all, thanks for the question, and also I wanted to thank um, uh, Daily Joint Company for that one as well, for the other one as well. That one was fun to break down. So first I did it looking at the top quarterbacks and seeing where their offensive lines were. Then I did the top offensive lines to see where their quarterbacks were because the only thing I really have to judge offensive line is PFF scores. That's what I have to do. And like I say, sometimes I, some, I, I think their scores aren't bad. Their scores. When I say aren't bad, they're not. I do. Do I think they're perfect? No. But do I? But do I think they're founded with with something to really stop and consider? Yes. Do I think that they totally miss the mark in some situations? Sure. Especially with stuff ju- judging Minka Fitzpatrick. There are some people that are so into PFF they think that Minka Fitzpatrick was awful this year. That wasn't the case. You're drinking too much Kool-Aid of the PFF Kool-Aid. Okay? Don't go that far. Now, did now did Minkah Fitzpatrick put up the numbers that he had the first couple of years with the Steelers? No. Was Minkah Fitzpatrick being utilized differently with the Steelers this year? Yes. Was he coming through and making plays for them when they needed him to? Yes. Okay? Was he better than his first two years? I wouldn't say he was better, but I, it's not like he was fantastic before, and he's one of the worst safeties in the league now, that is not what happened. And if you feel that way, because PFF told you so, then you need to start forming your own opinions. Anyway, sorry, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. So I understand that these grades aren't perfect, but they're they're the data that I have. So first thing I did was I, I looked at the top five rated quarterbacks that started at least 10 games, um, according to PFF. They were Tom Brady, and they were in this order. Tom Bear, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins. That was their top five rated quarterbacks. And just so you know, Patrick Mahomes was 13th. And I'll, I'm going to throw him in there because a lot of people want to know what he would be. All right? Th- when it comes to Tom Brady, when it came to the offensive line, it's broken down into two things. Pass blocking, run blocking. We'll focus more on the pass blocking. I'll give you the run blocking numbers now just because I can. Tom Brady was the number one quarterback, playing behind the number one pass blocking line and the 14th run blocking line. Joe Burrow was the number two quarterback, playing behind the 25th pass blocking line and 17th run blocking line. Justin Herbert was playing behind the 17th pass blocking line and 12th run blocking line. Aaron Rodgers was playing behind the 8th pass blocking line and the 23rd run blocking line and Kirk Cousins was playing behind the 27th pass-blocking line and 16th run-blocking line. So it just goes to show you that those players in the top that were the top five quarterbacks, only two of them had top 10 offensive lines when it came to pass-blocking. So let's kind of, oh, and just so you know, for Patrick Mahomes, his his the offensive line for Kansas City, they were tied for sixth in pass-blocking and tied for third in run-blocking. Just to put that in the back of your mind. So then I turned around and did it the other way. I said, okay, why don't I look at the at, at, at the top 10 pass blocking lines and see where they ranked, where that same team ranked in passing. Doesn't matter which the which quarterback it was, didn't matter who was playing, didn't matter if it was, you know, one for part of the season and was injured and it was someone else. It was just flat up team scores. Okay. They had, these were your top 10 pass blocking lines. It went Tampa Bay, LA Rams, Dallas, Washington, Philly, San Francisco, Kansas City, Green Bay, Denver, and New England. Now, San Francisco and Kansas City, they were tied at sixth. So that was where they went. But So where, were, where did they rank in passing? So did the best lines have the best passers? And the answer is no, just like the best the best quarterbacks didn't have the best lines necessarily, except for Tom Brady. That's that's the one. So you had Tampa Bay number number one pass blocking, number one passing rank. The Rams they were they were two in pass blocking, tenth in passing. Dallas third in pass blocking, sixth in passing. So the, those two those were two teams in the top. And well, even the top five. One was for. There was one first. One was sixth. Washington. They were fourth in pass blocking and twenty seventh in passing. So just because you had the great offensive line didn't mean that you instantly got better at passing. Okay, um, Philadelphia, fifth in the block in pass blocking, seventeenth in passing. San Francisco, sixth, tied for sixth in pass blocking, sixteenth in passing. Kansas City. They were. They were sixth, tied for sixth in pass blocking and 14th in passing. Green Bay, they, they're the one team that had, they were ranked the same in both. Eighth in pass blocking, eighth in passing. Denver was ninth in pass blocking, 19th in passing. And New England was 10th in pass blocking, ninth in passing. Now, a team like New England, that kind of shows me, hey, if they were bad in pass blocking, do you think they would have been as good at good ranks as passing? Maybe not but those don't necessarily go hand in hand out of the 10 the top 10 pass blocking teams only 4 of them had a top 10 passing grade so not even half of them so just because you have the great offensive line doesn't instantly turn you into a great passing team and just because you are one of the best quarterbacks in the league it does not mean you're playing behind the a great pass blocking line cuz my goodness, two of the top five were 25th or worse. Zoinks. So that hopefully that answered that question a little bit. Um, I'm running a little bit over, but I said I was going to try to answer three. So I'm going to try to do this last one really, really, really quick. I just have to find where my question is here. Okay, here we go. This comes from Brian Haynes. Um, Known in the live chats as Captain Underpants. Also on Twitter at, is at BK Haynes Jr. And he says, at STLR Super fan dad, That's me. That's where you can reach me to ask a question. He says, what kind of package would it take to trade for the 15th pick this year? What about back to the 25th? Just trying to see what sort of deals could be coming. LOL, hashtag nerds of steel. So in other words, what would it take to trade? Up five spots? What could they get trading back five spots? Well, bottom line is you got to find a good, what they would call a draft pick calculator. I found one that I like. It's actually at some place called calculatorsoup.com. And the reason I like it, you can plug in the different number of picks. They give you the value of things. And they even have a chart that you can use if if you wanted to do it. But this is what I figured out based on the closest numbers I could get to approximately be what, what teams would actually have. If the Steelers wanted to move up five picks, it would cost them Antonio Brown. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, sorry. It would cost them a third and a fifth in this year's draft. Now, when you move to a future draft, it 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 changes the numbers. Basically, all the rounds bump up a round. Like a, as we saw with the Steelers traded for Isaiah Loudermilk um, in the fifth round in this year, that's basically what's worth a fourth round next year. So for each year, it's basically like a second round pick this year would be worth the first round pick next year. Those kind of things, but um, that would be what it would take to go up five spots. The Steelers would have to give up two picks now because their the fourth, you know the the second their second round pick would be too much just to give up just their second to move up. You know their first and their second in exchange for that first that's a little bit too much. That's why I, and the the best way to, to to piece it together would be the third and the fifth. Now if they were to trade back. Five spots from 20 to 25. Now remember, as you move down the draft, you're not going to get as much. They would, they would get someone else would have to trade them their first pick and their third. So if the Steelers move back to five spots, basically they would be picking up, according to this calculator, a third round draft pick. So those are the kind of things to look at. So it it costs more to move up because you're going higher than it does to, then you would get back and moving back because, you know, instead you're talking 20 to 15, there's a difference in the numbers there versus 25 to 20. So that's just kind of how it works. I just thought I'd throw that out there. There are lots of, of draft pick value calculators out there. You could just Google it, find one you'd like, plug them in. They're kind of fun to figure out if that's what you would like to do. So that's today's show. Um sorry that my phone went off. Give Jeff Hartman a hard time with that. Um if, if you can, I would appreciate that. Well actually it's my own fault because I forgot to turn it on silent. But um I'm this was a lot of fun. I hope I didn't try to get too much into one, in, do too much into one show. I know last week I only answered one question. That's why this week I tried to squeeze in another one. But uh, when it really comes to quarterback for the Steelers, I am not a fan of trading because of what you're going to have to give up. I mean, look at what was Russell Wilson took. I mean, would you, would you be willing to give up a, your second-round pick for a certain quarterback? Not if it's someone like Jimmy G that's going to cost that much money as well. Um, that's just my opinion. You've got to look to see if you're actually gaining something better. Uh, if I were to guess right now, and I know a lot of people like, oh, the Steelers don't want, you know, don't want to roll with Mason Rudolph. I would rather, if you're not sure with somebody else, I would rather go with Mason Rudolph because you know it this year it's, it's do or die. It's, he's, he's going to be it or he's not. Somebody else, you could, you would. The Steelers might feel that they need to invest more than one year, and I don't want to take more than one year to answer the question. So that's that's kind of where I sit right now. Unless they could go out and get enough of an upgrade that it would be enough to to, to really matter that you wouldn't question it enough. So uh, just thanks for for joining me here. Thanks for sticking it out to the end if you did, and as I always finish it up, thanks for kicking out.